Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 345. I was very scared, but you know, at that time I was hungry, Sue. I really wanted my business to work more than anything. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi, it's Sue, and welcome to this week's show. As we inch closer and closer to the holiday selling season, I hope you've been putting your plan together for how to capture your fair share of sales. As we've talked about many times, only posting your products available for purchase online isn't going to do it. Just because you have a website or a social shop set up, doing that alone doesn't bring in customers. What it is is an avenue to conduct the final sale, not the attraction and connection necessary to get people to buy. And posting on social over and over again about your holiday products available as gifting options, well, We all know the low percentage of our followers who actually see these messages. As a handmade product creator, the fourth quarter holidays are the perfect time to get in front of buyers through holiday craft shows and church bazaars. Entry costs vary, but there are options to fit every budget. And holiday shoppers need you as a handmade small business even more this year with all the supply chain issues we're experiencing. I encourage you to sign up for your local shows and get in front of your soon-to-be customers because we need you this year more than ever. I talked about this in my recent Tips and Talk episode number 34. Go back and take a listen to hear how you can both help your business and customers get gifts for the holiday shopping season. We are going to need to depend on you this year, so the time to act is now. Today, we have the great fortune of talking with a proven professional in business development. You're going to hear her story about starting the business as a side gig while working her 9-to-5 job and attending to three little babies. So for anyone out there who says this can't be done, let's rethink that. Lisa shares what her life was like then, how she grew and eventually left her corporate job, and how she continues to expand on her rock-solid business. I can't wait to introduce you to her. Today, I have Lisa Payton coming your way. Lisa is the founder and CEO of the Personal Gift Basket Company, an artisan gifting business based in the St. Charles, Missouri area. Her company is recognized and praised for creating beautifully designed gifts for clients all over the world. Lisa's been on several local television stations displaying her gift creations and speaking about the power and the benefit of gifting. Her creative gift designs have also been featured in many locally printed publications. Because of her passion and the desire to see others in the gifting industry succeed, Lisa created The Gifting Coach that officially launched in the fall of 2019. She lives in Wentzville, Missouri with her amazing supportive husband. 
She's the proud mama to four beautiful grown children and one granddaughter, and of course, her lovable chocolate labadoodle Milo. Lisa, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We should have done this a long time ago. I'm a big fan of the show. Aw, thanks. Well, before we get into how we know each other and all of that great stuff, tell us about your motivational candle. If you were to share with us a little bit more about you on a creative level, what color would your candle be and what would be a quote on that candle? So I think my candle would be a marbled candle of a beautiful pale yellow and a beautiful pale blue. And the reason I choose those is because yellow signifies confidence and self-esteem and blue signifies perseverance. And I would put those two together and make a beautiful candle. And the quote that I use is a quote of my own And it says that you hold attributes and amazing talents that make you valuable to those you do business with. And once you activate that, everything you need to build an unforgettable brand is in you. You have already what you need and you just have to activate it. That's right. What a message. Well, first off, that is so professional. I love it. I hope you have it written and framed somewhere, Lisa. I do, matter of fact. And I look at it every day. I think so often we give our power away and what could be, we're waiting for others to tell us that it's okay, when really we just need to act upon what we believe is right, what we feel like we're driven to do, and go from there. Talk to me a little bit about your origin story in your professional career. How did you get started? Were you doing something before the personal gift basket? Just give us a little background here. So my background is in the financial industry. I came from a large financial firm and I worked in the social media and marketing department there for 19 years and loved my job, loved what I did. I worked from home for maybe a little bit under half of the time that I worked there. So it was a very flexible, convenient job. But there was no passion at the end. And I really wanted a way to come out of corporate America. And when my husband and I got pregnant with our last baby, who's now 19, I just decided that it would probably be time. And during that time of transition, my husband also started his own heating and cooling company. So it was a fear of having two entrepreneurs under one roof. And how would that look for us? So there was a lot of fear and holding back on doing things because I wanted what I felt was stability in a company. And one day we were kind of up, I was breastfeeding, we were up watching TV at probably three in the morning, I'm sure. And I turned to him and I said, you know what, how would it look for both of us to leave? And sure enough, we're looking at TV. There's these two very successful women who had quit both of their jobs and started a gifting company local to me and were doing very well. And my husband was like, I really think that you can do that. You make things so beautiful for our family. When you give gifts, when we entertain, it's just natural for you. Why don't you look into that? And that was the fire that lit the path of starting my own business. Well, you were so lucky to have his immediate support. Some people would be like, whoa, wait, what? But to have that support, that had to be just the most fabulous feeling in the world. It was. And he's always been that support for me. 
it was me who was standing in my own way because he gave me that okay to do what I wanted to do. But it took me years to finally leave. I didn't leave my full-time job until April of 2015, to be exact. (laughs) So it took me a long time because every time I was ready to do it, something would happen. And I would always do that. If I didn't have this job, how would this look? So I always made these excuses for leaving. And once the gray hairs start coming in, Sue, and uh, I was done. I didn't care. It's like now or never. That's right. I didn't care if we ate beans and rice. And that's exactly what I told him is if we got to a point where both of our dreams began to dwindle down and we had to eat beans and rice, what would we do? And he turned to me and he said, we would eat beans and rice. We will be fine. And I think that was it. I went to my boss and I told her I scheduled a meeting with her. And as she walked in the room, she looked at my face and she immediately started crying. She knew that it was time for me to go. Oh, no. (laughs) It was an emotional moment. For sure. And I can only imagine how many hundreds of people who are listening right now are in that spot. They're doing nine to five, thinking they would rather be doing something else instead. And there is such a thing as doing it on the side, too. Like, you don't have to go two feet in cold turkey with a hard cut between a corporate job, either. Were you starting something as you were building up to take the leap, or no? So my company was already started. I was working both my company and working for the financial firm for all those years. And I would work from 7.30 to 4, I would get off at 4, I would make dinner, and then I would make any gifts that I needed to make that needed to be picked up. And I would then make any type of events that were after hours. I would try to do networking. I would take sick time and leave to do retreats and things like this. I mean, I just made a way over all those years. I did that. And plus, I went back to school to get a degree So I was working full-time, getting a degree, and running a business. It was tough. With young children, by the way. With four young babies, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So when did you actually start the personal gift basket? In 2002. Like, that's what fit into your life for that time. Albeit, you sound like you were one busy lady (laughs) doing all of those things. So this is what I guess my point that I'm trying to get at for people who are sitting here at our little coffee table sharing in this chat with us, Lisa, is that, you know, if you have a corporate job and you have something that you make and you're wanting to start a business, it's not one or the other. It's not being a nine to five working for someone else or having your business. You can do both of these, albeit it's not as if you're full time in your business because you have your other job. You balance it out based on what your life is presenting you and what you're capable of doing at a time. And then it can change over the years, just like you're showing us here. Absolutely. 100% agree with what you just said, Sue. Do you have any advice for someone who is thinking of going that route? Anything you wish you would have known or something like that? (laughs) That standard question, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I feel that I talk to people all the time who are struggling through being a full-time employee for someone else while their dream is kind of on hold because they're struggling to do both. But what I say is the struggle is so worth it. Learn to do both. I mean, it can definitely be done. And I know it's hard. 
But when you look back, it really all comes down to that drive of what is important. If your business is just as important as that paycheck, which is what I was dealing with, was how important is that every two week paycheck or once a month paycheck happening for me? How does that look? The fear of not knowing how my life is going to look when I leave. So what I did was while I worked, I worked my business just as hard as I worked when I was working for someone else. So I would come home, I would do the things that I needed to do, or I would log off from home, do the things that I needed to do for my family, and then I would work just as hard. I pushed myself just as hard because if I did not do that, then I became more reliable of relying on the paycheck that I knew I was going to get every two weeks. So I had to almost put fear in myself that that wasn't certain. My business is certain. I had to almost switch how I thought things. I had to make sure that I understood that this is going to be what I retire with. This is not that, but this will be. And when I did that, it helped push me to do things a little different, to get out and network, even if it was only in the evenings on my lunch break at work to sit out in my car and make phone calls, those types of things. Like those were the things that pushed me to keep going was to know that this is going to be the end, not that this will be. Right. And we've all learned, unfortunately, either by our own demonstration or others, that having a corporate nine to five and working for someone else isn't a certain thing. You can't count on it like you could years past. You know, the world is different. I think the other thing is, and tell me if you felt the same way, Lisa, is that if you're in a job that you might have liked and you've outgrown, or let's say you're not as interested in it, what you're doing on the side and growing on the side with the goals that you just mentioned gives you renewed excitement and energy for your life overall, because you are building something that's really exciting and energizing for you. And your job then is kind of the stepping stone to allow you to go full time then into the other. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. As far as us in our personal situation, it came a time as we knew that I was going to leave. I wanted to see how that would look if I didn't make any money in my business. If my husband just took care of our home and I didn't make any money. So what we did was we took my whole paycheck and we would just put it away. I wouldn't touch it. Like I wouldn't even spend it because I wanted to see how hard things would look for us And they looked hard for a little bit because my husband was growing his company. I wasn't using our money, but that was the good part. Like I was able to see, even if he got down to this, we could still live. We could still make means happen. I could still buy inventory if I had to, those types of things. Because we bootstrapped everything. We don't have loans or any of those things. So we bootstrapped. So I wanted to see how that would look for us. And man, that was probably one of the best decisions that I ever did. Yeah, I did the same thing with my businesses. And by the by, not only might it have been feeling tight for a little while, but you saw that you could do it, you could work through it and live through that. But you were also building a security blanket there if there were, you know, emergencies or whatever. So excellent example. I would absolutely tell people to do exactly what you did. So wonderful example. We're only going to stay here for a minute because you have so many good things to offer us besides what we're talking about now. But right in the beginning, how were you getting your first clients? Networking. So like I stated earlier was I only could network for any events that were after hours. So anytime there was an after hour event for the chamber or things like that, I would be there. 
I would show up. I had my business cards. I would always take a gift with me when I went to thank whoever was speaking or whoever was the sponsor of the event. And I would just be present and I would walk into rooms that I wouldn't know anyone because I wasn't in the know at that point. I was only coming to one or two events a month. And that's how I started getting people. I would just give gifts. Sometime I would put a coupon in there telling them they could get a percentage off if they ordered a gift from me after they received that gift. But also people that I knew, like my dear friend, she's a speaker. So she started using me to give gifts to the people who invited her to speak at their events. And it kind of went from there. Like someone would get a gift and they would say, oh, I received this gift from so-and-so. Is there any way you could do something for me? And it kind of went this way. So website and all that, it was great to have one, but I never really even used my website because my business started through word of mouth. It's so crazy to think that when you started your business, there wasn't even social media yet. (laughs) Isn't that insane? (laughs) That is true. I didn't even think about that. Because, you know, like now we always gravitate to, oh, You want to tell people who you are through Facebook and Instagram and like all of that, not remembering that there was a time before that. And you were saying you were getting all of your business from networking. So now you're still running a successful business. And now you're also coaching other people in the gifting industry. What role does networking play today now that we also have social media? Well, you know, I still say and I still stand on the fact of Keeping your face in the place, that's the little term that I use. When you are out and people recognize you and they see you on a regular basis, it is the best thing ever. I think it trumps social media. I think we've allowed ourselves to get so behind social media that we're comfortable with not showing our face. And when it's time to speak, when it's time to talk about your business in front of people, we have now kind of shied away from doing that because we've allowed social media to speak for us. And I think always being able to, you know, the elevator speech type of thing, having something to say when someone asks, what do you do, should always be at the root of your mouth. How can you take their pain point and make it better? I think that is always done better when you're face to face with someone. So I trump going and networking in your community more than anything. Yeah. So that would be your very first go-to, especially like someone who's starting off getting business networking, or maybe I would say, depending on your product, being out face-to-face at craft shows and both. Yeah. Anytime you can get in front of someone, it's always better. I think we're just so comfortable and we see the good and the bad of those social media. You know, you see how it can, it feels like it's bringing us together, but it really isn't. It's kind of making it so comfortable for us to be apart. And I think, especially in business, and that's even in personal, when we think about, I think someone always says, you know, it's one of those things where you feel like it's pulling you, but it's not. And I think we can use that same thing in business. It's doing the same thing. It's making you so uncomfortable to be around people and to share your story. The story is the most important part. I think it's another, what is it, arrow in your quiver? In your quiver, yeah. Versus saying that it replaces all the things we used to do. You know, social media doesn't have to replace networking or craft shows or email for that matter, because that's a one-on-one extension also. 
It's just another way. It's another avenue. And they can all work together. They can. And, you know, it's funny that you said about no social media when I started. I remember getting the phone books like I was happy when the new phone book would come out because I would take the phone book and I would just find people that I wanted to send letter to and maybe a little thing of cookies. And I would do it that way. It was like those were so fun, you know, at that point to do and to grow your business. Sometimes people would call you back. Sometimes people wouldn't. Yeah. So now your target was more corporate clients. Yes. Not individual consumer. So we need to make that statement there too. Like you have to look at who you're trying to reach as a customer and then figure out where they are. And where does LinkedIn play a role for you? I love LinkedIn. I use it as much as possible. I try to post out there several times a week. I've gotten so much business from LinkedIn. I've learned to connect with people that I want to get into their businesses and it's worked very effectively. Just knowing how professional you are, it's no surprise that LinkedIn is a great platform for you. So let's move over a little bit into the gifting coach. What was it that you were seeing that people were struggling with that you felt you could come in and help them achieve? Where were the struggles? The gifting coach was birthed from my own experience. When I started my company, I started at a time when the gift basket industry was at its height. I mean, we had several company, brick and mortar companies here in Missouri that were thriving and doing well. And I wanted to be that, but I didn't have a storefront. So I'm like, how would that look for me being at home and doing that? And back then you really couldn't share with people that you were a home-based business because it was taboo. Companies didn't want to work with you if you were home-based. So I wanted to kind of change that philosophy. And so I wanted to create a place really My market is for those who are either coming out of corporate America and want to start their business or still working their business and working their full-time job as well. So I want it to be a sounding board for them to encourage them and motivate them to know that they can do it and they're not alone. When I started my company, I asked a woman who I admire immensely, and we are still friends today, if she could coach me. And at the time, she couldn't because she was going through something personal in her life and she was not able to do it. But she always left the door open for me to call her, to email her, and I was able to do that. And I want to be able to now give that to someone because I was given that. And I think without that, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Okay, so this is a good point that we haven't really ever talked about here. You reaching out to someone who was ahead of you in your industry already, and were you at all uncomfortable thinking, well, they're not going to want to share what they're doing because I would then be a competitor? Yes, I was very scared. But, you know, at that time, I was hungry, Sue. I really wanted my business to work more than anything And for someone to tell me no would have just been fine. You know, I just would have went on to the next thing. I wasn't afraid of someone telling me no. And the same in my business. You know, I made those calls through that phone book and people would hang up and tell me no all the time. And I'm like, well, they can't see me. I just kind of built this idea up in my head that it's no love lost. Let's move on to the next. And that's the same way I did it for this was she definitely could have told me no. She definitely could have not given me the time of day. 
And she helped me more than she probably ever knows that she did just by allowing me to have a window into what she did. Of course, she shared this with multiple people now over the years. But back then, it was a totally different world than what we live in now. We didn't have a lot of gifting communities and things like this. We were kind of all on our own, doing our own thing. So now you have all these wonderful entrepreneurs out here who are making things happen. And sometimes you can still get isolated and feel like I'm dealing with something and no one else is dealing with. And I want them to know that that's not the case. Right. Well, this is a great example. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the different types of people we have in Gift Biz Breeze, which is my Facebook group. Are you part of that, Lisa? I believe I am. Okay. So, you know, if you are making jewelry or pottery or whatever it is, and you have seen somebody, especially even in that group, because we're all together to help each other, consider reaching out. The worst someone is going to say is no. And I try to get this mentality, Lisa, that think of like if you love bracelets, you're not only going to buy bracelets from just one maker exclusively, probably. You might have a favorite, but you like lots of different bracelets. So there's no reason for us to think that, oh my gosh, if someone buys a bracelet from one person, they'll never buy from me. That's so true. And so I encourage anybody who's listening to us, listen to what Lisa did. She reached out to someone who, you know, watching her from afar (laughs) and asked for some help. I mean, if nothing else, that's just an honor to have reached out and asked it, whether they say yes or not. And even she wasn't really able to mentor me, and I'm using the air quotes, but she wasn't able to do that because it was some personal things going on in her life at the time. But what she did was allowed me to have access to her when I needed it. So it wasn't like she was contacting me and keeping me accountable. But when I had questions, she was there for me. When I felt like I was a failure and I was, you know, needed someone to kind of uplift me, she was there for me. So even if you don't get the mentor type of relationships, have people who you know have been where you are and that you're able to ask questions and do those things. And I think most of the people that I know that are in our community are more than willing to do that, you know, and help. I love our community. I think it's a wonderful community. 100% agree with you there. So as you think of some of the people that you've been working with, what are some of the common struggles that they're facing today? Where are they getting hung up? I wanted to pause this discussion for a second to let you know that I recognize you may be feeling overwhelmed right now. I mean, I bring on great guests who are specialists in their fields, and we get into fabulous conversations that you know can help grow your business. So after the show, you have all the full intention of grabbing a download, making an adjustment to your website, or any other number of ideas that arise as a result of the podcast. But what happens? You get back to all your other activities and the momentum you had gets lost. What you plan to do is forgotten. Then you feel bad because your business is going on as usual without implementing anything that you know would help grow your business. You're just too busy doing all the things, like a robot moving from one thing to another without thinking, because you have to. I get it. (laughs) I've been there. But guess what? There is another way. Since I recognized this exact behavior in my own business, 
I set out to do something about it. And now, what works for me, I'm sharing with you. It's the Inspired Daily Planner, made specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. That's you. But it's not your ordinary planner. First off, it comes with a video explaining my productivity strategy. Plus, it's undated, so you can start using this planner the second it arrives at your doorstep. And that's not all. Included for each day is a motivational tip and plenty of space for you to write down your intention and then schedule time so that you can actually take action on all those ideas that are now getting lost. It's the perfect solution to truly act and move your business forward. And yes, I'm offering you a special discount to get you started with the Inspired program, because it's my greatest joy to see you make progress and grow. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash get inspired and enter code SALE in all caps to get 40% off of the Inspired Daily Planner. That means for only $21 plus shipping, you'll have a hard copy planner along with my Power of Purpose video that will set you on the path for true business growth now and into 2022. Makes a great gift too. And if you're already using the Inspired program, grab a fresh planner with this discount too. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash get inspired and use the code SALE. Remember in all caps. This offer won't be available forever, so don't forget to do it right away. Okay, let's get back to the show. Well, networking, I must say, is probably in the top five. The fear of networking, the fear of going into a room and not knowing anyone and having to work the room is one of the questions that I get. The other question is pricing. How do I price my products to make a profit? That's one of the probably number between one and two, I would definitely say, is pricing and making a profit to where you can over time, if you want to, leave your full-time job. I hear a lot of people saying that they're going and buying things local and putting them in gifts. And unfortunately, we can't make a profit that way when we consistently do that. You mean going out and buying retail? Yes, buying retail. Absolutely. And we definitely want to make a profit. That's the whole purpose that we're in business. And I think people shy away from the fear of success. I had someone tell me not too long ago that they're afraid to succeed. And I'm using those words. Her words were a little different, but that's what it boiled down to was that she was afraid that if she gets the business, she will grow and she's not ready. So she was afraid of this process of moving forward. So I think those are probably my top three things that I talk to people and encourage people on. You know, this whole fear of success for a long time, I just didn't understand it because it was like, well, why would someone be afraid of that? And then I started getting it. And especially when you're the one creating the products because the orders come in. Now you've just created more work for yourself because you've got the orders. But this is, again, circling back and kind of merging some things we've talked about together is this is then where you can reach out to people who've done it before. Like, this is a great question. How do you manage when you get to the next level and it can't be just you? You know, or I mean, pretty much everything that we encounter, someone else has encountered before us and we can learn so much from them. Absolutely. There's a quote that I love from a guy named John Allen, and it says that the fear of success can be just as crippling as the fear of failure. 
you can cripple yourself. You can stunt the growth of your success because you're afraid to succeed. And I think people don't realize that it's just as bad. If I get a call that says I need a hundred of something, I'm afraid that I can't give that. And what I try to teach is that you have control of everything that you do. You know, it's kind of like parenting our children. Sometimes we kind of lose who's in control. We're still in control. We're still the parent. And in our businesses, we're still the owners of those companies. We still have control. If someone calls and says, I need a hundred of something, as long as they're not saying they need it in a day, then you have control to tell them when you're able to deliver that. You may lose it, you may not, but you still have that control. And I think people want to over-deliver, which is great, but we want to make sure that we're doing things in order and doing them in a way that's going to help our business and not hinder it. Yes, I agree. And, you know, I feel like that's why you test in the beginning with family and friends. You test that orders are going through your website properly to stay in the industry you're talking about, Lisa, that you can put five baskets together and get them delivered where they need to go. So you get like the groundwork, like all your systems in place, and then you start building from there. But let's say you had just five baskets, like I was just saying, and then all of a sudden you get 100. If you've thought through, all right, I'm going to get an order for 100. Who do I know that can put shred or filler in a basket? (laughs) You know, who do I know that can fill out paperwork? Like in an emergency situation, if you were in that expansive, like mask growth mode, who would be your people that you would call and beg (laughs) to come help you, right? I mean, at that point, it's all hands on deck. And then you would know what your plan would be. And so then you're more confident if you're speaking at a networking event and you say, hey, to like mid-sized regional offices, whatever it is, you know, let's do your employee gifts this year. Because you're not afraid, oh my gosh, what if I get 100? You already know what your plan is going to be. So you're going to speak with more confidence too. Absolutely. The plan is always important. And to think about it before you even need it. That is true. When I started my business, I always share this too, is that I was literally paying people to take my gifts because I wanted them to be so beautiful and so nice. And then what would happen is, A couple of months later, that person that ordered a $50 gift that I spent $75 to make it nice for them, they come back and they say, hey, I want to do that again. I want a $50 gift. But this time, well, I might just want to do it normally. And then so we end up with this problem that happens because now I'm trying to correct something that I did wrong. So we don't want to do those things. We want to make sure that we're pricing correctly. Everything is priced correctly. And you're giving people a great product that they will come back and want again. But when we do it wrong in the beginning, like I did, then it's kind of hard to self-correct that because people are now saying, well, wait a minute, you know, I had a throw in there and a candle and all these high-end things. And now this is what I get. It's like, well, my fault. And you have to kind of go back. And sometimes people don't understand that you don't want to start out that way because it looks so nice and it looks so inviting to do things that way. And that was my issue that I just wanted to wow people. But I was literally wowing people and paying them to take my gifts. And it hurt me. Because the pricing, what you were charging for the gifts was maybe even less than what you had to pay to make the gift But then the next time they want to order and you get your pricing in line, it's so much more expensive. 
That is so true. So important to get your pricing right up front, regardless of what your product is. All right. I'm turning the page here, Lisa. I got a whole new topic for you. All right. (laughs) Okay. And you speak to this a lot when we're at conferences together. I'm listening to you about how you're working your publicity and how you're getting on your television stations there locally. Can you share with us a little bit about what you do to make that happen? Sure. So I hired a PR firm to help me with that. And it's probably been the best investment that I've made in my business was to have someone out there doing it for me. Now, is this someone local in your market? It is. It's a PR firm. She's local to our area, but she has clients all over. So it's not just Missouri. But that's what I did. I hired a PR firm and she sends out press releases and information for me to local television and radio shows that would probably benefit from me being on there. So I've done that now for many years and it's worked very effectively Other than COVID, I was able to be on maybe three to four times a year on television and maybe about two to three times a year on radio. Okay, so you had someone actually help you get the placements, which we've talked before in the past about how you can work and try and do this yourself as well. But then let's talk about when you actually get on the show. How do you prepare for a show? So most television or, well, I'll just start with television. Television... They will send you a little kind of sheet that kind of talks about what we're going to be talking about. You have about three minutes when you're on there. So it takes you longer to set up your table than it does to actually be interviewed. So that's always fun. So it's very quick. Normally, we go in with an idea ourselves. So we pitch the idea to the television station. So like, for instance, fall time. Before you've even gotten the slot, you go in with the idea of what you'd like to talk about. That's right. So we pitch this idea to them about fall. So we may say back to school and I'll give an example. So let's talk about gifting that looks great for college care packages, kids going back to school, teachers, you know, introducing new teachers. So we would then create gifts. I would take a couple of pictures. We would add that to the press release, maybe a video of a interview that I've done in the past. And then we send that to the producer of the television station. And most of the time they'll say, yeah, you know, I think that's a great idea or we don't have a slot this time, but maybe holiday, we really need some stuff for holiday. So that's kind of how it goes throughout the year. Once we get that, they send us a sheet that asks for our information as far as what name you want to go by, Lisa, with the personal gift basket company, my phone number how people can get in contact with me. And we send this to them a couple of days before we go on. Normally it's live. I've only done one that wasn't live. So when you get there, it's a lot of waiting. You're waiting for the interviewer to come in. And once you get in there, it's about three minutes and you meet the person maybe about two minutes before the session starts. And it's a countdown from there. Lights come on and you're ready to go. And it's very quick painless. And I tell people, you don't even have time to be nervous because it's an ongoing conversation. So it's fun and quick. It's so true. And it never goes the way you scripted it, right? Like it's always different from what the plan was, but you just go with the flow. You do go with the flow and never go in there empty handed. Always take something for them to leave with them, especially people who have a product. Always share your product with them. They love it. 
Yes, have visuals. Visuals help so much. And they want that for TV. They just don't need two talking heads. Have you seen business as a direct result of the shows? Yes. One of our biggest clients came from me being on one of our local television stations. She calls a couple of days after and she says, I've been having you on my mind. She was like, I was up getting ready to come into work and I turned on the TV and I saw you talking about corporate gifting. She says, and we were just in a meeting talking about how this is going to look for us, gifting and how it's going to look for us. She said, so I'm in the office today sharing what the episode, the actual newscast with her team and ended up being one of our biggest accounts. So yeah, it works. When I come back, sometimes I have 20, 30 messages from people wanting gifts, companies and individuals, people who need a gift for I had a lady who saw me on TV and her best friend's dog had passed away. And she was like, I just thought about you and I want to do a gift for her and make her feel special. So it depends. It just, you know, large and small gifts come out of those types of things. And then what do you do post show? So you went in, it was a live show that Mm -hmm. most of the time they have then a link, you know, an online link. Do you do anything on your own for promotion of that spot after you've been live? Oh, yeah, I do. I will put them out either on my YouTube or on Instagram or Facebook. Some of them are linked to our website. And normally, even though, you know, I know you say post, but even before I'll say, hey, we're going on channel two at 9 a.m. Come along with me. And I kind of take my audience along with me. And then we kind of do that same thing after it's sober. I, I show me getting ready or I show how we're setting up the table. And then afterwards, of course, we kind of walk through the process and then I'll link the video. Yeah. So they've really been along. They get to see the behind the scenes of as you're setting up before you're going to go on live, then they can see the live and then you can talk about it afterwards as well. Are you doing that in Instagram stories or Facebook live or stories? Instagram stories. Yes. And you could definitely do it live. Most of the time it's me by myself. So I don't have anyone there to do a live for me. If my PR person isn't with me, there's no way for me to set anything up like that. So just doing the Instagram stories has been the best way. That's what I would have thought you were doing, but I just, I didn't want to make any assumptions, Lisa. (laughs) I needed to hear it from you. (laughs) All right. So you've been in business quite a long time. You started at home, you've built yourself up to be a significant player, not only in your market, but also in the industry as a leader. Where do you see yourself taking it from here? Well, man, my goal, Sue, is to be at a place where I can probably coach. I mean, that is probably my passion is to eventually let my business run itself and to be able to help other people come into this wonderful industry that I call the gifting industry. That's what I see. I see being able to have a facility where we can rent it out and have meetings and shop in there. And there's a place here called Priscilla's that every time I go there, I'm so inspired by what they've built. It's a family-owned company, and we've been going there as a family for years. And I always say this is whenever they're going to sell it, I'm going to buy it. So that's my goal is to just be patient and wait for them to sell it and I'll buy it. But yeah, I mean, that's my thing is to really kind of let this business run itself and to be a coach and a mentor to others that are coming into the industry. 
Well, I love that. And it's a huge give back to the industry for you to share and teach people what you know and how you've done it and created what you have. So I think that is absolutely fabulous. Where online could we direct people to go and learn more about you? Oh, well, we have the website, thepersonalgiftbasket.com. I love Instagram. So I'm always on Instagram and that's the personal gift basket. And our Facebook, of course, is the personal gift basket as well. And you can always message me or reach out to me. I would love to talk to you and be of any help that I can. Wonderful. Well, this has been so fun and so fabulous. You know, we've known each other for, I don't know, at least it's, it's 10 been a years, long time maybe? Yeah, I don't know at how least. Long. But I'd never really heard the whole story. I've gotten the advantage of hearing and getting education from you, you know, when you're teaching on stage. But we haven't done this whole story thing. So this has been very, very fun. And no surprise, you have had some gems of knowledge to share with us. So thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me. And I admire you as well. I love your podcast. I love all the things that you're doing for our industry. You have an amazing brand. And I love that I get to call you my friend. Likewise. (laughs) Take care. Have a great rest of your day. You too. I knew Lisa would bring the goods, and boy did she ever. But did you notice we weren't talking a lot about the popular topics of the day? I mean, social media and email? Of course, Lisa uses these too, and they came up in our chat briefly. But Lisa's success was built on utilizing other business growth strategies that have proven successful over the years ones that are often overlooked today. They may not be what's in the limelight, but they work. Think about it. Next week, we're going to talk about why Rudolph is such a hit among all the other reindeer. Brand definition, baby! How do you make your business a Rudolph, where everybody notices your glowing nose? Okay, (laughs) you knew I had to do this, didn't you? But We're coming up to the holidays after all, and Christmas is everywhere you turn. Plus, that truly is the topic for next week. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, leaving a rating and review helps the show get seen by more makers. As a loyal listener, there are other ways to show support for the podcast, too. Visit our brand new shop for a wide variety of gift biz paraphernalia like mugs, t-shirts, water bottles, and more, featuring logos and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. They make great holiday gifts, too, can be shipped throughout the U.S., and are available at giftbizunwrap.com forward slash shop. All proceeds help offset the cost of producing this podcast. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? 
Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.